Welcome to the podcast of Revival Fires. This week's message by Ryan Baker Barnes is entitled Standing in the Hall of Faith. We're excited for our next gathering from the 14th to the 16th of March with Emma Stark, James Vincent, and Trevor Baker. Register online now for the prophetic church gathering aligning with your assignment. Visit our website www.revivalfires.org.uk. Okay, are you ready to get stuck in this morning? Are you ready to get stuck in this morning? Cool. We've been looking at faith this whole year. This year is a year for adventure. It's a year to enter and enjoy, and it's a year to grow in faith. And we've been looking at faith and seeds of faith. And I want you to get out your notepad because this is the title this morning, Standing in the Hall of Faith. Anyone know the script? Standing in the Hall of Fame. Woo! The world's gonna know your name. I'll get there. My voice is not right. Great song. Well, I'm, t- today we're going to look at standing in the hall of faith. Now, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, there's a fantastic chapter where the, the, the author lists men and women, mighty men and women throughout the whole Bible who were full of faith. And I mean, it's a great place to start if you want to look at faith in people's lives. Let me just, let me just read you a little bit of this. Hebrews 11 Uh, Verse 1 says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the the conviction or the evidence of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts and through faith, Though he is dead, he still speaks. And it continues. I've just highlighted all, all the people here in God's great hall of faith. Listen to these guys. Enoch is in the God's great hall of faith. Noah. You guys know the story of Noah, don't you? Noah is in there. Abraham is in there. Sarah is in there. Abraham's wife. Abraham's in there again. Jacob, one of Abraham's sons. Joseph's and Isaac are in there. Moses. Moses was like the pinnacle of of a relationship with God and the whole of the Old Testament. You couldn't get a higher man than Moses as far as God's people were concerned. He's listed here in the hall of faith. It continues. Uh, by faith, they kept the Passover. By faith, Jericho, the walls fell down. And it says, what shall we mention about Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, of David, of Samuel, of the prophets? There's not enough space, the writer says, to write down all these people's names. But before that, there's this one little name as well in this hall of faith. And her name is Rahab. Now, Rahab's very, very interesting because it says, and by faith, this is verse 31 of chapter 11, by faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And I stopped for a second and I thought, wow, here we have these great men and women of faith. I could talk to you about Abraham and everyone was like, oh, Abraham or Moses. Oh man, I mean, Gary talked about him parting the Red Sea and the Israel coming through and leading them through the promised land. All these great women, men and women of faith. But here we have Rahab. And I want to talk to you about Rahab. Rahab is even listed in this book as a harlot. Wow. <laughs> and is looking at me very, very carefully there. Regardless, <laughs> I'm like, so here comes the altar call, guys, ministry call. <laughs> I'm joking. <clears throat> Despite who she was, she wasn't even a, a person from the tribe of Israel. She wasn't even a person of God. She's listed here as one of the men and women in the hallway of faith. 
I don't know about you, but when I read her name, I thought, God, I need to know more about her. So I want us to dig into the life of Rahab today. Turn to Joshua chapter 2, because there are some incredible keys of what faith really is. And if a simple woman who was a harlot can be listed in the hall of faith, let me tell you, as you read Hebrews 11, you can list your name there. As you're reading through, these are the men and women of faith. Suki, listed in there. Joshua, listed in there. Richard, right, great to have you guys from Bridge North, listed in there. Caroline, Ellie, Harry, list your name. If I didn't say your name, don't be offended. Just put your name. Your name can be listed in the hall of faith if we were to just grab a hold of some of these very, very simple keys. So I'm going to be talking about faith. Let's flip Joshua chapter 2. This is the story of Rahab. I'm going to do a lot of reading. So can you guys sit tight with me, yeah? If you want to close your eyes, listen to my incredible accent. Paint the picture of what you're seeing. I won't be offended. So let's do a bit of reading and then we're going to get into some teaching. Joshua 2 starts verse 1. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men as spies secretly from Shittim, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. They went and they came to the house of the harlot, whose name was Rahab, and they stayed there. It was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men from the sons of Israel has come here tonight in search of the land. And the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. It was about, um, it came about when it was time to shut the gate at dark, that the men went out, and I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and had hidden them in the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued them on the road to the Jordan, to the fords, and as soon as those who were pursuing them had gone, they shut the gate. Now before they lay down, she came up on the roof and she said to them, I know the Lord has given you this land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. For you have heard, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan. Verse 11, when we heard it, our hearts melted and no courage remained in anyone any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, he is the God of heaven above and the God on earth below. What a great statement. Now, therefore, please swear with me. And she goes on, uh, if I save you, would you save me? Let's pick it up again. Verse 19, it came about that as anyone who goes to the doors of your house in the streets, their blood will be on your heads. They say, yeah, we'll do that. Verse 20, uh, let's go to verse 21, actually. She said, so be it according to your words. And as soon as she sent them away, they departed, and she tied a scarlet cord in the window. If you want to go back and read that a little bit later, here's the story. God is bringing his people out of a lifestyle of slavery, out of captivity. He's bringing them into the promised land. Moses, God's servant, is dead. Joshua is in charge. And the first thing he does, he sends out two spies. The spies go into the city, and they're checking out the land. They're trying their best to fit in. They're trying the best to have the right accent so that no one recognizes them as spies. They probably um, got the right looking clothes. They tried to walk the same way. They tried to fit in, but they, here they are, two men, sneaking in to a foreign city, a city that the Lord has said you're going to take to spy it out. And they find refuge in this one lady's house. Um, Many, many scholars are not, uh, say, say about Rahab, it's, it's questionable. Sometimes she could have been the girl that came with the room 
Sometimes she could have been the room, the, the, the innkeeper. We're not very sure exactly who she was. But what we do know about her is that she moved in some incredibly simple faith that not only changed the course of her life, it changed the course of the purpose and the, the plan of God for his people Israel. And I want to make a couple of points. The first one is this. Faith sees what no one else sees. Did you hear that statement that she made in verse 9 of Joshua chapter 2? And uh, she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us. Isn't that incredible? Faith sees what no one else sees. Okay, let me explain this. Eventually, the king's people realized that these two guys were spies. Whatever happened, they gave up their game. Maybe they didn't do the accent quite right. Maybe they didn't uh, ask for the right amount of change in the language when they were bartering in the market. Who knows? But eventually, they were given up. And the king came and to Rahab's house and said, I need to see the spies who are staying here. Rahab knew that they were spies. But here's the revelation. Faith sees what no one else sees. Everyone had heard about this people who were coming out of the desert, coming out of Egypt. Everyone had heard the stories of how their God had parted a sea and led them through it and totally destroyed everyone who pursued them. They had heard about the way their God had led this people and destroyed the two kings in the land before, but only Rahab knew what that meant. And what did she say? I know that the Lord has given you this land. Faith sees what nobody else can see. When we move in faith, God wants to give us eyes to see things in a different perspective. We had a great prayer time this morning. One of the things Joe brought out was that God was going to be starting to give us opportunities. Let me tell you, no matter how many opportunities might pass us by, unless we see with the eyes of faith, we will never grasp them. God is giving you faith in your circumstance and in your situation this week to see things in a totally different perspective. Anna um, loves reading. And I've got to be honest with you guys. I'm not a very good reader. I'll watch the movie. I, don't judge. I know that you, there's many of you the same out there as me. But Anna loves reading. When we moved house, there was boxes after boxes after boxes of books after books after books. I said, Anna, have you read this one? Yeah, I've read that one. Packing another one. Anna, have you read this one? Yeah, I've read this one. She's read everything. The blessing and the benefit I get is that she now starts to read out loud. So I can pretend that I'm quite learned and well-read. <laughs> when really, I'm just very good at listening. <laughs> That is very good at reading. But she was reading, um, maybe this morning, this, this one book. What's the book called? Grit. Grit by Angela Duckworth. There we go. There's a quote for you on the internet as well. And she, she was talking about perspective. And she uses this example of, of a bricklayer, okay? A person laying bricks, building a church. One person will, you could ask the one person, what are you doing? And he could say, I'm just laying bricks. You could ask another bricklayer, and he might say to you, when you ask him, what are you doing? He could say, well, I'm building a church. And you can ask another bricklayer who's doing exactly the same job. What are you doing? And he could say to you, I'm building the kingdom of God. One person is just doing a job. One person has actually got a career. I'm building a church here. The third person's perspective has got a calling. I'm building the kingdom of God. It's no different the job that they're doing. You're laying bricks, but your perspective can elevate you to an entire different realm. 
You can just look there and think, I'm just laying brick after brick. I'm just serving. I'm just putting mortar with it. I'm just mixing cement. The sun's baking down. The kids are running down the street, and I'm just putting brick after brick. I'm just a bricklayer. Or you can think, oh, man, look at this beautiful building I'm creating. Or you can think, this is my calling. I am building a place where the kingdom of God is going to come. I am building a place where people are going to encounter Jesus. What a great privilege. Can you see the difference? Think about it even like this. We can serve coffee in the coffee shop in the mornings. I'm just brewing a cup of coffee. So why I brought up Dav this morning, because I know he knows what he's doing. He's not just putting the filter in, filling the coffee up, switching the hot tap on, getting the cups out and waiting for you guys to show up. He is building the kingdom of God one cup of coffee at a time. What about you in your life? Are you just going to work answering telephone calls? Or are you building yourself a great career where you earn money and you can climb some corporate ladder? Or are you there in faith because your role is your primary ministry? Are you there because God's put you in that office to be a ray of hope? What's that famous quote? Preach the gospel and if possible, use words. Are you there for that reason? Are you just being a mum at home, cleaning up after the cat and feeding children, making an all-day buffet for your children, turning on Peppa Pig when it's Peppa Pig time and putting them to bed when it's bedtime and remembering not to forget to brush their teeth and bath them? Or are you building a family? in what you're doing. It's all about perspective. Let me tell you, simple faith can change your perspective. We read these amazing stories in Hebrews 11. And Abraham, I mean, God asked him to give up his son. God might not ask you to do something that incredible, but it makes no difference how small you might feel your act of faith is. It still qualifies you for the hallway of faith. Isn't that a good word? Doesn't matter what you're going through. Doesn't matter where it is. With faith, you can change your perspective and you can see beyond the bricks and you can see the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? Faith gives you the vision, change your perspective, to choose the side of victory. We saw how Rahab did that. Faith keeps you with the truth despite the risk. I mean, she had more to lose than anything, but something happened when she met these two men. The king of the city came to Rahab and said, What are you doing? She wasn't afraid of him. She realized that these two men had something greater going on in them because of God, that she was going to take that risk and she was going to choose the side of victory. That's what faith does. Uh, So here's an application. You know, I want to inspire you. At the end of this, I really believe God's going to put faith in your hearts for something greater. But I want you to walk away with something that you can put in place every single day of this week and the rest of your life. And here's the application. God, What do I need to look at again in my life? How can I change my perspective to see through the eyes of faith? Just ask God that, Lord. What? What? Maybe it's mundane routine. Maybe it's frustrating uh, part of your life. Maybe it's something that's even very joyful, and, and you're missing that there's actually a God element, a God sphere that He wants to bring into your life through that. Lord, what is that uh, view of faith? Okay, here's the second point. You guys with me? Yeah. Cool. Second point, here's what faith does. Faith makes a landing pad for God's plans and God's purposes. Faith creates a landing pad for God's plans and God's purposes. Uh, In verse 1 of of Joshua 2, here's what happens. Joshua sends the spies out. They come, and whose house do they settle at? 
Where did they settle? It says that they settled at the house of a harlot whose name was Rahab, and they lodged there. Now, I'm going to get a bit geeky on you. The word lodged, if you go back to the actual Hebrew word, it's used many, quite a few times in the Old Testament. But something very, very interesting happens. It's used in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 11. What's that? That's the story of the Shunammite woman. Let me tell you that story. There is a prophet called Elisha. And he goes around the land doing what God calls him to do. And a woman called the Shunammite woman recognizes this guy. In fact, let, let's just read it because I love the language. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 11. Here it goes. Uh, I'll tell you what. Let me read from verse 8. Now, there came a day when Elisha passed over to Shuam, where there was a prominent woman, and she persuaded him to eat food. <laughs> I love how the Bible talks. Prominent woman, make you eat food. Hallelujah. And so it was, as often as he entered by, he turned in there to eat food. She said to her husband, look, I, I perceive that this is a holy man of God passing us by continually. Very interesting what she says. Look, I perceive. Her perspective was a perspective of faith. She didn't just see a man clothed in camel skin, as he probably would have been as a prophet. She saw a prominent man of faith. And she says, look, let us make a little wall chamber and let us set a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. And it shall be when he comes to us that he can turn in here. And one day he came there and he turned in to the upper chamber and he rested. You want to underline that word rested. It's the same word. Here's what faith does. When we move in faith, we create a landing pad for the promises, the purposes and the plans. If you want to use another P, I welcome you to to rest right there. Faith creates an environment where God can move. And that's one of the reasons why Rahab is listed because she simply moved in hospitality. A simple move of hospitality when she saw two men, she perceived something else was going on and she said, come, stay here. I want to host you. You know what faith does? Faith hosts the presence of God. Whether it's in a church on Sunday, whether it's in your work on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you are hosting God's presence in that situation if you choose to. It's that simple. Faith. Just, I want to say, turn it on. Just switch it on. Lord, I'm going to move in faith. I'm going to host your presence right here. That Hebrew word is shakab, and um, it's lodged, it's rested. So here's the thing. Faith is the seed, but our hearts are the soil. Let me tell you a story. Bethany, um, our oldest daughter, when she was in junior school, you know all the great things, the great activities that they do in junior school. They bring you back like the most beautiful Father Day's card, Father's Day cards with their little handprint in it or something like that. You know, it's just wonderful things they bring home. One, one day, Bethany brought home a piece of cotton wool with some seeds in it. And she said, Dad, we mustn't forget to water this every single day. So we stuck it on the windowsill by the sink in the kitchen so I wouldn't forget to water it because that's what she really meant, didn't she? Dad, don't forget to water my school project, right? So, so there's these seeds sitting in cotton wool. Now, have you ever wondered, this is the crazy things that go through my brain when I'm doing the dishes at the sink. Have you ever wondered the nutrient value of cotton wool? Have you ever tried to live with cotton wool? I mean, I've received shipping boxes and they come with all those like little polystyrene cubes and someone said to me you can eat them and I tried you know I, I ate them they, they just starch I mean you probably could live with them but they weren't very tasty 
I haven't eaten cotton wool, but what is the nutrient value of cotton wool? Because here I am every day watering these little seeds with cotton wool, thinking, how on earth are they going to grow? Doesn't the teacher know you've got to put seeds in soil, right? But what happened? After three days, a little green sprout came up, the plant emerged, a little root went down. Sarah did a fantastic video on this on Thursday night. She preached a great message on the incorruptible seed of Christ. Think about that for a minute. This seed grew despite the lack of nutrients. It was a little mustard seed. And up it shot and, and all of them shot. And it was like a little green astroturf on my windowsill. Up to a certain point, it grew. Don't worry. We also like those kind of moves. Up to a certain point, it grew. And then what happened, even though I watered it every day, it stopped growing. Because let me tell you, the seed has got in it an innate ability. It's got built into it all of the provision that it needs to get started. It doesn't have to strain. All it needs is a little bit of water. You don't have to go there and say, seed, please grow. Please grow. It didn't strain. It just grew. But there came a point where the environment that it was planted in needed to co-labor with the seed and provide nutrients. And then the seed would have gone on to the next level. What's the next level? Reproduction. That little seed it grew a little mustard seed. I think I ended up putting it on my salad. <laughs> it tasted really nice. But it didn't grow another seed. Why? Because it was in the incorrect environment. Let me tell you, God wants to plant his seeds of faith in our lives. That's the seed. But our hearts are the soil. What state is the soil of your life because the soil of your life has got to co-labor with God in order to create an environment of nutrition where the seeds can take root. That word shakab, that word that Rahab did, she created an environment where God's spies could come and dwell even for one day. It wasn't even comfortable. Where did she put them? On the roof, underneath some flax. She wasn't even a good host, but she was. She kept them alive. She kept them safe. Faith created a landing pad for the promises of God. So let me, let me just have a quick, a quick look. Think about what is the state of our hearts. I love the parable of the sower in Matthew. It's, uh, if you want to read it later, if you want to do a bit of study on it, it's Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. Faith plows and faith prepares. God tells the story. He says, he's talking really about the state of our hearts. And this came to me. Um, the other day I was dropping the children off and it's just that time of year where the ground has been really cold. The, haven't you loved the sunshine this week? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I love it. The ground is, was really cold and, and really frozen and really hard and maybe cattle and sheep had been walking over it and it had been stomped down. And as I'm driving Beth to school, I see plows going out and plowing up the field and they're turning up the soil, and what was hard and smooth and impenetrable to seed or to rain, because water would just run off it, was broken up and was nice and rich. And underneath the soil, it was this lovely brown color full of nutrients, all soft and fluffy. You could get muddy in it. And I just felt God say, you know, Ryan, the soil in your heart is always good. It's about the condition of your heart. And I just saw all of a sudden that parable of the sower, Matthew chapter 13. Again, you know, what, what is the state of your heart? Because sometimes our hearts can be hardened by the trampling of feet. 
Sometimes our hearts can be hardened by just daily routine, going in and out of every day. You know, the alarm wakes you up. You make yourself a bowl of porridge in the winter and a bowl of cereal in the summer. You have a shower, you get in your car, you go to work, you say hello. You put up with what you sometimes have to put up, you enjoy what you enjoy, you come home. Please don't say you put on EastEnders, but I'll still forgive you if you do. You have, you have your normal routine, you go to bed, and the next day you do it again, and praise the Lord, Sunday breaks things up a bit. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes our hearts can just become trampled by all the feet that walk over it, all the conversations, all the normality, all the routine. Sometimes we just can become so pushed down and hardened. That's the first state. God sowed the seed and it was on the path. Sometimes our heart can even become frozen by pain and by hurt. Things happen to us. The heart is, is the soil that God wants to sow his seed. But sometimes we just let pain and hurt. Things, people hurt us. People say stuff. I mean... I don't know about you. If you go on Facebook, you're going to get hurt. If, if you, I mean, we all voted. If you're going to watch the news these days, you're going to get angry. You know, like, I don't know what's going on. doesn't matter. Lord, my heart, I'm going to keep my heart from getting frozen by pain, by hurt, by disappointment, by anger, by rejection. The heart is the soil where God wants to sow a seed. How do we keep it safe? Another place that the, that the parable says that they sowed the seed was amongst the weeds. Sometimes our hearts can be constricted by the tangle of weeds, by the confusing thoughts, by the chaos on the, on the enemy. I mean, think about your minds. Like how, how easy is it to, to have all these different thoughts that aren't from God and to have a, a just a, like feels like a tangle of thoughts, a weed, a weed garden sometimes. You want to just scroll through and, and get some time with God. I mean, I don't know about you. It's like that sometimes when you pray, isn't it? When you, when you open your Bible, okay, God, I'm going to read my Bible and bing, bing, text, text message. Oh, great. Bing, bing, text message. Oh, great. I really should be reading a real Bible, not my phone. It wouldn't be interrupting all the time. And then, then your tummy goes, and you're like, I'm so hungry. Oh, my goodness. And you think, oh, I didn't take the meat out the fridge, to, the freezer to defrost for dinner tonight. And your brain is just a tangle of weeds. Do I get an amen or is only me today? Or whatever things it is. You could be thinking, hmm, wonder what's going to happen next in EastEnders today. No, don't go there. The tangle in our minds. Sometimes we just need to be in a place where we let God create a, a perfect soil. The final place that he sowed the soil was good soil. What makes a good soil? Let me tell you, it's as simple as this. You've allowed the plow of God to turn it up. You've allowed the plow of God to come in to turn up the weeds, to get rid of the hurt, to remove the stones, to create an environment in your heart where God can sow a seed. What am I saying? I'm saying simply this. Faith is allowing God to have his way in your heart, even sometimes when it feels painful, even sometimes when you don't understand, even sometimes when, let's be honest, if you watch the field getting plowed, it looks painful. I and mean, there's a great big blade going in, turning up the soil. But it's got a purpose because it can receive the seeds. Sometimes it's faith. It's just a sip of faith that we allow it to plow. How, how do I get this from Rahab? She knows the risk she's taking. The king's come to her door. She knows the risk she's taking. But she lets her, herself become a place where God can plant his seed. Does that make sense? Lord, would you just turn up the soil of our hearts? Lord, would you create in us a place where we can partner with heaven 
through faith. In fact, that is faith. Just saying, yes, Lord. Waking up and just saying, yes, God. I might not see the big picture. I might go through things today that feel difficult. But Lord, my heart is yours. The soil of my heart is the most important thing that we have, you know, the state of our heart. And, and the more I think about that, let me just take a little bit longer on this. This, this is, for me, is kind of like the difference between providence and obedience. So often, you know, this word providence, it means that God has a plan and God will work out his plan. Do you know what really it means? It means fate. We can have this idea, well, God will do what God wants to do because he is all powerful. Yes, he is. But he's looking for a heart to co-labor with him. He's looking for a heart to move in faith with him, not just fate. Not just providence, not just being a victim, but saying, okay, God, here I am. Work with me. Here's my heart. Work with me. That simple thing is a seed of faith. And when you do that, I really believe God is going to welcome you into the hallway of faith. Say, look at you, my good and faithful servant. The world threw all the stuff at you and you said yes in your heart. That's what we want to be, a people that look after the state of the soil of our heart. And we say yes. Faith, that was two points. Third point. Faith trusts the word of the God more than the walls of the world. Rahab's house was where? It was in the wall. She lived in the wall. She probably had seen many nation after nation come and fight against Jericho, come and try and take out the place. And she lived in the wall. And the wall stood firm. The wall protected her. The wall kept her culture alive. The wall, the wall kept her city going. But here come two men, two spies, and she sees with the eyes of faith, God is doing something. And she says, I can't even trust in my own wall anymore. I can't even trust in my own source of provision, my own source of protection. I'm going to have to put my trust somewhere else. Faith is simply that, putting your trust in God. Faith creates a new reality for you. Faith makes the impossible possible. Faith brings you creative solutions. What a great solution this lady had. The king comes to her. Where are the spies? They're hiding upstairs. But I'm not telling you that. Sends the king out. She waits for the gates to get closed. She lets the guys down on a rope. I mean, this is, this is a clever lady, right? This is a creative solution. How many of you would like a creative solution for the struggles in your week? Amen. Lord, would you pour out through faith. When we prepare our hearts, when we have eyes to see your perspective, creative solutions. Just, just be ready for those ideas of God. But here's the thing in faith. Faith is the action to then act upon the ideas. She could have had these fantastic ideas. She could have thought, man, I've just, I've just imagined like letting you guys down on a rope. But that's too weird. So I'll just let you get caught by the king. No, she didn't. She took, put it into action. In fact, I love it when it says, did you read that um, verse 21 in Joshua 2? So she sent them away, and when they departed, she tied the scarlet cord on the window. She waited no time. She was like, they're gone. I was going to do something I'm going to do right now. She tied it on. Here's the important thing about faith. Faith is action. Faith is not just that great thought. Faith is not just a, a good idea. Faith is when you actually take it and put it into action. So from today, we're going to put these things into action. We're not just going to go home and think, oh yeah, what's the state of my heart? We're going to say, God, what is the state of my heart? How can I change? What is the plow? What are the things you want me to see different? I love it in James 2 verse 25. I'm, I'm trying to wrap this up soon. So I'm sorry if I'm talking quick. I want to write down a scripture to read later. James 2 verse 25. It's, James says this. James is actually the brother of Jesus. And he says, 
You show me faith without works, that faith is dead. Faith has to have works. He's not talking about striving. He's not talking about working hard. He's talking about action. Faith and action are hand in hand. Faith is actually the very thing that empowers you to take action. Rahab was listed because she took action. Would we be a people that take action and say yes to God? Here's the thing about faith. Faith saves. Rahab's life was saved. In fact, everyone who she got and stood with her in that room, when the walls came down, she was saved. Now just think about that. God took the walls down, the whole city of Jericho. Where's her house? In the wall. There must have been a bit of the wall that didn't fall where she was staying because her faith resulted in the salvation. Let me tell you, I don't know why I'm saying this. Maybe God wants me to say it and I'm moving in faith. Some of you might even feel like, God, I don't know if I'm, gonna, if, if I'm saved. I don't know if I'm secure in what you, what you said, this eternal life. Will I be with you, Lord? God wants you to know there is an assurance that you can have through faith. Your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ will save you. It's as simple as that. Be rest, rest assured in that. Faith and sal- is salvation. Faith saves. I mean, I don't think I have time to open this up, but have you heard of Martin Luther, the re- reformer? He started really the whole Protestant church movement he set us free from some of the bondages of, of the old religion structure by simple reading in Habakkuk 2 verse 4. The righteous shall live by faith. Salvation comes by faith. We are actually living a reformation life. When we say, God, I'm going to live in faith. And it's simple. I don't have to wait for a great big um, word from the Lord or vision. I'm just going to say in the mundane things, what do you want me to do, God? In the everyday, where's my perspective at? I'm going to look to you, God. I want to spend a bit of time. Does that make sense? Yeah. I want to spend a little bit of time. Let's just look about this thing called the scarlet ribbon. Um, so, so she says to the two spies, I've saved your life. You need to save my life. What, how do we do this? They said, here's what's going to happen. You tie a scarlet ribbon on your door, on your window, and when we come back, you will be saved. Everyone in your room will be saved. And I thought, wow, that's, that's really weird. A scarlet ribbon? And I did a little bit of a study on a scarlet ribbon. This, the first time the scarlet ribbon is used in the Bible is in Genesis 38, verse 30. Here's the story. You guys with me on this? Yeah? Okay, it's cool. Judah, one of the, the, the tribes of, one of the guys who's a tribe of Israel, he, he's a dad. He's got uh, two children being born. They're twins. One twin during birth, sticks his arm out first. So he technically is the firstborn. So what does the midwife do? She ties a scarlet ribbon around his wrist. He goes back home because it's much nicer inside still, I guess. And his brother is born before him. His brother's name is Perez. He comes out first. But when, when, when the labor is fully over and both twins are there, who's the firstborn? The guy with the scarlet rib, his name was, I can't remember his name, (laughs) Jabak or something like that. I've got it written down, doesn't matter. Here's the thing. The scarlet ribbon represented birthright, okay? The scarlet ribbon represented the rights of the firstborn. What was the rights of the firstborn? It was access to the father. It was a double portion of blessing. It was receiving an inheritance. Here's what I want you to know when you move in faith, 
Doesn't matter where you come from, where you've been. She was a harlot. Hello. When you move in faith, you, you give yourself access to the same birthright in Jesus. When you move in faith, you have the same authority. You can give God a clap for that. That's what He wants to do in your life. When you move in faith, you have the same birthright as Abraham, as Sarah, as Gideon, as everyone mentioned there, as David. Oh man, isn't that amazing? I love David. When you move in faith, you have the same access. You have the same authority. God is giving you the same rights. I mean, this whole thing about rights, it's, it's important. Um, I, I don't think I'll go there, no, but you've got the same right. Do you know this, the other time that this scarlet ribbon is used throughout the Bible? Um, Many, many, many scriptures. I'll throw some out at you. Uh, Exodus 28 verse 5, if you want to read it later. Isaiah 1 verse 18. Come, let us reason together. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be washed as white as snow. Leviticus 14 verse 4. Numbers 19.6. The scarlet ribbon is actually used in priestly duties, Levitical duties in purifying places, in purifying rooms. So what, what a lot of scholars say is a scarlet thread is a beautiful tapestry throughout the whole Bible that talks about Jesus. You can follow a scarlet thread through the entire Bible, all the way back even to Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned and God had to sacrifice an animal in order to create a garment to cover the nakedness. There is a scarlet thread of tapestry woven through the entire book that talks about our glorious Jesus. Anytime you see a scarlet thread, it's talking about Jesus. You know, a scarlet thread was used in, in, woven into the priest's garments, into the ephod, which is like a waistcoat, really. It was woven into the, the fabric of the temple. It was woven into the veil, the very thing that was torn from heaven to earth when Jesus died. It, it was represented the body of Jesus. Here's the point. The scarlet thread that she hung on the window was her saying, I'm holding on to Jesus. Faith is not based in your ability. Faith is not based on your obedience. Praise the Lord. Faith is not based on how well you did last week. Your faith is based on one thing and one thing alone. Let me say that better. Your faith is based on one person and one person alone. Our faith is based on the name and the person of Jesus Christ. That is where our faith is anchored. Our faith is not anchored on just uh, the words that we say or I'm going to start tying a scarlet thread around my steering wheel to make sure I don't have accidents. Faith is based in Jesus Christ. It's on the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, it's on the person of Jesus Christ that we have our birthright. It's on the purpose of Jesus Christ that we are righteous. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. She was a prostitute. She wasn't even a person of the tribe of, of Israel. She was a Gentile. But did you know, this blows my mind, did you know she's listed, Rahab is listed in the genealogy of Jesus Christ? What? What? I don't even think I'd let my son marry her, right? I mean, it might blow. She married a guy called Salmon. Salmon? Gave Salmon's son was a guy called Boaz. Boaz. Boaz married a girl called Ruth. Woo! Ruth had a son called Obed. 
And Obed had a son called Jesse. And who was Jesse's dad? Son, brother? (laughs) David! And David's in the line of Jesus. I mean, how glorious is Jesus, right? You're a prostitute. You're not even part of my plan. But you're going to host two spies? What a simple, small act of faith. No problem. It's good enough for me. Come on into the family, right? What? (laughs) Don't ever let anyone disqualify you from your inheritance in Jesus when you move in faith. Praise the Lord. No more disqualification. I don't care what country you come from. You're part of the family. I don't care what you've done because Jesus washes you clean. It doesn't matter where you've been. You're part of the family. Isn't this good? Preach it, brother. Well, I will. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Yes, Jesus, our faith like a scarlet thread is anchored beyond the veil on the name of Jesus Christ. And it's alive and it is active in the smallest and most simple parts of our lives. And Jesus can transform us. Here's a point for you. Faith brings transformation. (laughs) What a turnaround. I'm just a prostitute from the tribe of Jericho. No, you're not. You're listed in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Transformation. I don't, it doesn't matter. I just live in Dudley. Have you heard the accent? It doesn't matter. What a transformation. Faith will bring transformation to your life. In fact, through you, God will bring transformation to the world when we walk and live in faith. Can I have an amen for that? Thank you to Jesus. Faith transforms us. And I've done I did it. I did it. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Are you holding on to a scarlet ribbon of faith this morning? You know, why don't we all stand up? I just want to pray with you. Judith can come on up. We'll have some ministry time. Thanks, team. Uh, If you're on the ministry team, come and join me at the front. Come on down here. We, we, um, at Revival Fires... As you know, we really want to just create an environment where you can connect with Jesus. And I'm going to pray with you right now. And I really believe that the words I've spoken, as you take a hold of them in faith, God can bring about a transformation for you this week. God can bring about a different perspective for you this week. And that's what He's going to do. But some of you might want more prayer. You might want someone to stand with you in agreement and just pray with you. Uh, The Bible sometimes calls that laying on of hands. And this team here at the front, this amazing ministry team, all you have to do in a minute is come on down and just let them pray for you. And I know that transformation will happen like it happened for Dav when he called someone to pray for him. Healing happened because he he stepped in faith. I'm going to send a WhatsApp text. I mean, wow, how amazing is God? But how many of us would love a download of that faith? If you want more faith, why don't you just lift your hand with me and I'm I'm just going to pray. Thank you, Holy Spirit that you are the giver of good gifts. Thank you, Lord, that you have a seed that you want to plant in our hearts today. It's a seed that's got all the power to sprout, all the power to grow. It was not going to strain. We just have to create a place for you. And Jesus, our hearts, we say yes. We create a place in our hearts for your seed of faith to come. And I decree and I pray, Lord, that situations, perspectives will change in people's lives today because they have the eyes of faith. 
that situations will change, God, because people are going to move in faith and that things are going to get turned around. Why don't you just say it? Just say turn around. Turn around over our lives, Lord, when we live, when we move in faith. Yeah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, I don't want to move on from this morning as well without giving you the opportunity that you might not be sure that you are actually saved. You might not be sure that you've ever put your life in the hands of this man that I've been talking about, Jesus Christ. You might not be sure. You might say, Ryan, I really want to be saved. I want to have a story in my life like Rahab's story. That she was heading for destruction in that city. But because of faith, because of that scarlet thread of Jesus, she was saved. And some of you, you might never have said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And that way, giving your life to Jesus. Some of you, you might have done that. But life has been difficult. Life has been hard. And you might have let yourself not live out, not take the action of that faith. Some of you might want to recommit your life to Jesus and say, Jesus, I give you my life today. Whatever level it is, just while we're waiting, I want you to reach up to Jesus if that's you. Just lift your hand to him and say, Jesus, I'm lifting my hand as a sign that I want that faith in my life. Thank you, Jesus. I see I see those hands. Just, just keep them raised to him. You know, I just want you to know you're not disqualified. Even if you've been feeling, oh, I've disqualified myself. Ryan, you're talking about a harlot. I've done things in my life that's disqualified me. Let me tell you, I want you to know that when you ask Jesus to forgive you, you are qualified again. Jesus welcomes you in. There is no disqualification. And if even that's you, you want to be qualified, just lift your hand up to Him. You're not doing it to me. You're doing it to Jesus. Jesus is the one. Oh, thank you, Lord. You know, everyone, there's, there's been some hands raised here this morning. Why don't we all say this together as a family? Can, can, let's pray out a prayer. You ready? Let's say it all together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I have faith in you. Please forgive me. Wash me clean. Today, I turn to you. Thank you that you welcome me. Thank you that you hold me. Thank you that I am a child. And thank you that my destination is secure. Amen. Give the Lord a hand for everyone who's raised up. That's fantastic. Now, Lord, I just decree right now, wherever the enemy has tried to uh, take us away from your purposes for us, or try to disqualify us, Lord, even when the words of disqualification come into people's ears, right now, God, we put a protection around that. We say, you are a child. You are accepted. You are part of the family with Jesus. We say that your destiny has been transformed. You're going to, you are part of the lineage line. In fact, you are entering into the hall of faith this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank, thank you, God. Isn't it great what God does? It's fantastic. So Brenda is going to be on the connecting desk. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time or recommitted your life today and you want to walk with support with other Christians, you now walk out this life of faith, just go and speak to Brenda. And if you're happy to give your details, we'll be in touch with you this week. But if you want to come and receive prayer, you know, I really felt that God wants to um, 
some of us today that we want to bring the soil of our hearts into his presence and there's some there's some stones there's some some areas of hurt there's some areas of like trampled over or, or being confused by the thoughts of the world God is going to extract them from the soil of your heart today if you want prayer for that come on down if you just want a prayer of faith to be ignited again come on down if you want healing come on down we want to pray with you but before we finish just turn to the person next to them next to you put your hand on his shoulder and let's just pray a prayer of faith over everyone just bless them use your own words just just speak faith in their life just call faith forward say rise up Lord give them the perspective of faith this morning Lord give them eyes to see situations in a new way Lord, let them live a transformed life this week. And Lord, above all else, let them know your voice of love. Let them know your acceptance, your affirmation, God. You calling them into the hallway of faith. Great men, great women, great sons, great daughters of Jesus. In your name, precious God. Amen. Amen.